Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Building Sandcastles by Pastor Liz Rod. I'm going to start today with a joke and I hope my joke goes better than my calendar. Okay, um, as you can see, I've actually called the message today Building Sandcastles. So it's rather interesting and coincidental that the joke I'm going to tell is about a child because I don't know about you, but I constructed many of these on holidays when I was a kid. We used to go to Scarborough. I thought it was just terrific. You know, isn't it funny how when you're a child, it wasn't Fiji, it wasn't Vanuatu, it wasn't anywhere exciting. It was just over the bridge. And, and But every year I look forward to it. And it's interesting because the same families would go there every single year. So you'd get to play with these kids that you, you knew quite well over the, over the course of many years. And we would build many of these. So the joke I've got today is not about sandcastles, but nevertheless, it's about decisions. And decisions, as Margaret also mentioned this morning, are very important in our lives Now, there's a little boy who comes up to his dad and with all seriousness, he says to his dad, I've made a big decision. I want to get married. Now, this is a very little boy. So you can imagine his father's probably a little bit interested to see what's going to follow that. And he said, oh, really, son? He said, that's a big decision. And he said, yep. He said, have you actually got someone in mind? Because it's funny how sometimes people don't have anyone in mind. They've just decided on a course of action. And he says, yes. He said, I have, as a matter of fact, it's grandma. So, of course, his father, and I mean, this is a grandma joke, not a dad joke. Anyway, so his father says, well, that's interesting. He said, why did you decide you want to marry grandma? And he said, well, I've really thought about it. There are three really good reasons. One is she always tells me she loves me. Okay, yep, I do that with my grandkids, tick. Uh, The other is she's a good cook. Uh, Yep, I know a lot of my grandchildren visit me because I do good afternoon teas. And the other one is that she's always there for me. They're three pretty good reasons, aren't they? I mean, in a partner, that's what you want. If you're a man, I suppose, you want a good cook. Actually, if you're a woman, it'd be good to marry a man who's a good cook. So all of those reasons are very, very valid. But of course, his father's trying to guide his son, as good fathers do. And he says, you realise, of course, that your grandmother is my mum. And he says, yeah, I know that. And he said, how do you think it'll go, you marrying my mum? He said, well, he said, you married mine. (laughs) Okay, thank you for laughing. I'm not good at telling jokes. But anyway, what I wanted to say today was, uh, you know, decisions are very, very important. And as Christians, and assuming that you are a Christian if you're here today, and if not, I hope you're going to listen up and become one by the end of the day. But, uh, you know, when we made the decision to come to Christ, it was a wonderful decision, the best decision you've ever made in your life. And, you know, because of that decision, we we start to experience some changes in our life, well, hopefully, because that's the idea. And as Margaret was saying, everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden, everything that became not available to us, just like Adam and Eve, we were cast out, if you like, of what we could have in a relationship with God. We were separated 
And so, you know, it would have been a pretty dismal thing. I can only imagine as Adam and Eve were, you know, told, out you go. And of course, there's a great big angel there with a flaming sword saying, you're not coming back in. It would have been pretty devastating. And so I want to talk to you today about foundations. Now, when I was at high school, I studied to be a home ec teacher. And so I do know my way around the kitchen. I do know my way about it, about a bit of sewing too. And we used to have a range of patterns that we would draft that were called foundation patterns. We would do a foundation skirt pattern, foundation dress pattern, pants, and you get the picture. And all of those could then be adapted. They could be built on to actually then create different styles. And so it was a great skill to have because I could take a foundation pattern where individual measurements to suit a particular person, you draft your pattern and then you would adapt it. But, you know, last week Sean spoke to us about many things and I'm just going to recap that, if I may, and include in that um, just something from Proverbs that I came across this week. And it says in the Amplified Version, a man's mind plans his way... So we create a pattern, if you like, and in the Amplified it says, as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 6 to 7, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it, may, though it will cost all you have, Get understanding. So I'm just going to say to you, you know, really, I see wisdom as probably being one of the foundational things that God is going to provide for us. And I'm going to talk to you today, if I may, just a little bit about how we get wisdom and what wisdom actually is. Now, the other thing I want to show you is I'd actually thrown out the kinetic sand and I couldn't buy any anywhere. But our life, if you're looking at the bottom picture there, where there are endless sand dunes, to me that's a picture of eternity. This little bit of sand in here is the life we're living now. It's a bit mind-blowing, isn't it, really, when you think about the proportion of a desert with endless sand dunes and the life we're living now. And that's why it's really important to actually listen to what God says that wisdom is. Um, you know, I was reading the other day when I was actually preparing a funeral. I had a, a very sad occasion to do a funeral for my brother-in-law exactly a month ago, as a matter of fact. And one of the scriptures I came across as a Christian was very, very unsettling because this was something that one of the hard sayings, if you like, that Jesus said. You know, we think of Jesus and we think of that beautiful lamb, don't we? We get the picture of the guy with the, the lovely melting eyes, the outstretched arms. But there were occasions where Jesus actually laid it on the line to actually tell us and to tell the people of his day, his disciples, exactly what they needed to know to be able to make good decisions that were going to be the foundations for their eternal life. And the scripture, actually, that I'm talking about, if you're going to um, follow with me, is actually from Matthew. And so will be our, our sermon today, Matthew 7, as a matter of fact. And this is Jesus speaking to some people who came up. You know, Sean has uh, been doing rock reflections and talking about the Beatitudes, talking, if you like, uh, probably we've been running between Matthew 5 right through to 7. And so my message today is going to bring us 
pretty much to the end of Matthew 7. And he says, Therefore you will know them by their fruits. These are the people who are Christians. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Hey, that doesn't sound right. But he, do, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. So they're people who recognise Jesus as Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, done many mighty works in your name? And I will say to them openly, plainly and publicly, and this is the Amplified, I never knew that you. Boy, that would be scary, wouldn't it? If you've lived your life and thought that you were that person who has lived in God's will, you've been that person who has followed along and you have been, you know, coming up to, to that day when you take your last breath. And actually, when I was preparing the, the funeral message, I thought, you know, you've always got to think in every congregation at a funeral, there are people who don't know the Lord at all, those who have known him and don't want to, don't want to live their life according to it, and those who are Christians who already know that you're going to be talking about the decision that that person that you are um, speaking about at the funeral has either made a decision or not made a decision for where their eternal destination will be. So it's always very tricky. You know, the importance of sound uh, foundations in our life don't just affect here and now. It's always about the eternal perspective. And that was something that God was really sharing with me in that particular scripture. Those guys had an impressive resume. They'd done a heap of stuff. But how come Jesus says to them, I don't know you, I never knew you. I thought that would be really worrying. You know, just as the foundation of a structure determines the ability to withstand the elements, the foundation on which we build our life, our Christian character, if you like, will determine not only how we live now, but our eternal life and our eternal destination. Everybody's life has a foundation. We're all building on something, unless, of course, you're living under a rock, and we'll get to that in a moment. But not all foundations are equal. Everybody, either intentionally or unintentionally, puts their trust in something. We sang songs today, didn't we, about where we put our trust and our hope. Uh, no one is immune to the circumstances and storms of life, even Christians. It's not a bed of roses just because we make a decision for Christ. But because we live in a fallen world, we wrestle daily with temptation. We have things where we have to talk to ourselves about, you know, making um, good and bad decisions. We have trials and we have heartaches. I know of people even at the moment, like my sister-in-law, she's really struggling with the loss of her husband. She said she goes shopping, she bursts into tears because she realises she's not buying the things that she would normally buy for him. Heartache is part of life too. You know, we have challenges and all of a sudden, you know, we, some of them are, are here all the time. Some of them are things that we would not want to deal with. The sudden loss of someone dear, like my sister-in-law, we can lose our financial security. We can be plagued with sickness or an unexpected diagnosis, loveless marriages or relationships with family that aren't good. The structure of our houses, if you like, the house that we call this life, can feel very impacted by what happens around us. So we make a decision to build our life, don't we, on eternal perspectives, if you're smart. 
But, you know, it's not that easy. It, that human perspective wants to get in the way all the time. You know, we all want to build our, our lives on Christ. But when the storms of life or the temptations come up, it can be tricky to stay on that, that one path. Uh, you know, in Lamentations we read that because of God's great love, we are not consumed because his compassions never fail. They're new and every morning because of his faithfulness. You know, God wants us to have an eternal perspective. He wants us to be looking at everything through the view of eternity. You know, what we put our hope and trust in will become the true foundation of our life. In Matthew 6:19, Jesus teaches that we shouldn't put our trust in things that are temporal. And that was in last week's Rock Reflections, if you remember correctly. Um, it, do not lay up for, your, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Popular world culture will talk about, you know, the labels on your clothes, the car you drive, the size of your home, size of your bank account. They'll tell you all these things are worth building. And in essence, none of these things are wrong. It just depends whether or not your eternal perspective is going to be stymied, if you like, because of your natural perspective. You know, if the foundation and focus of life is built on the world's value system, we may build our hopes and trust on things that are simply not going to last, that are, not, are going to disappoint us. You know, people will build their lives on being popular, powerful, successful, uh, you know, to receive accolades. We all like to be told we're doing a good job. And we don't like it when we're told we're not doing a good job. But the thing is, if our life is built on trying to impress people, we're going to be very much undermined and very, very many. You know, I know some of my grandchildren are on Instagram. My husband's an avid Facebook person. And, you know, to have followers is a big deal. How many people are taking notice of what I say? But there's so much more to it than life. Psalm 82, 5 tells us, They do not know, nor do they understand, they walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Now, there's an interesting thought. The world's truth on which you build your life and your identity is temporal and notoriously unstable. Uh, when the storms of life come, and make no mistake, they will. Is anyone here not had a storm? Okay, well, you're in good company because me too. How will our foundation stand up? Will our foundation stand up on the day when we come face to face with Jesus? You know, Sean often says, I'm glad you asked, so I'm saying that too. In the scriptures we're going to look at today, Jesus begs the question, upon what foundation are we building our lives? And he teaches that we can either choose one of two foundations. And so we're going to have a look today at two foundations and two builders. Now, these builders could be building an identical house. They could be building one on a sandy foundation or they can be building on the rock that is Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles open, let's have a look at Matthew 7, 24 to 27. So everyone who hears my words, underline hears these words of mine and acts on them, underline acts, 
will be wise, be a wise man. And in the Amplified, it says, a far-sighted, practical and sensible man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now we go on to verse 26 and it says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish and in brackets stupid man. We don't, not, not allowed to use that word with my grandchildren. No one's allowed to say stupid, but it is here. Who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell. And great and complete was its fall. I know when I used to build these sandcastles, you know, we would spend all day, the other kids and I, we would build them and I tell you what, some of them were pretty cool. We would gather rocks and sticks and we'd decorate them. I know for those of you who know me well, you'd find that decorating was um, something you were surprised I would do. But, uh, you know, we would decorate them. But sure enough, the next day when we came down, the tide would have come in and guess what? No sandcastle. We have to start all over again because these things were temporary. Okay, so let's have a look. It, it, it says, I'm going to go on a little bit there to 28, verse 28. And it says, when Jesus finished speaking these words on the mountain, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority to teach entirely of his own volition and not as their scribes who relied on the authority of others. So when Jesus speaks, it is really important for us to take notice, even if it's tough stuff, even if he's telling us, because where does it come from? It comes from a heart of love. You know, when God speaks to us, when Jesus is sharing something and it wasn't written to us, but as Sean would say, it's written for us, it is written so that we will have our ears prick up and take notice because God doesn't want any of us to get to that final day where we're going to come face to face with Jesus and to be turned away. God's whole plan in sending Jesus to earth. And Jesus' purpose for coming was so that every single person would have the opportunity to hear the truth, to know the way to be able to come into that place of eternal life, to have relationship with God, not then, but here and now. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to be able to not only hear the words, but to act on them and to be like that far-sighted man who is actually building something, not just for here and now, because storms are going to come here and now too, but we want to be able to say when we walk through that, the pearly gates, you know, we, we want to be able to receive the welcome that we're hoping for. You know, if foundations are laid properly, and where's my friend Harold, the engineer? Where are you? It's gone. Oh, there. No, there are you. You know, is it right, Harold? We need strong foundations. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. So the rock in this story represents God's perspective. It represents Jesus. It's talking about heavenly wisdom. Not the type of wisdom that you and I can imagine or whip up or somebody that's written a great um, life coaching book 
will tell you, this is the fair income word of God. You know, that it is the living truth and it is our guide for life, this life and into the next. You know, sand represents going our own way, building things the way we would want to. I don't know about you, but I quite, I've got a good imagination. I can see something in my head. I can build it. I can colour it in. I can make it, you know, decorate it. I can make it look good. But, you know, everything that I can build here in this life is of no value into eternity. You know, sand is shifting. If you look at that picture of the desert, a good, a good sandstorm and three quarters of that sand is going to end up in a different place. It doesn't go anywhere. But it, it doesn't stand up. It doesn't stay the way it is. Uh, and just to reinforce this, another gospel shares the same scripture. And it, this is in Luke. And it, in my amplified version again, it is actually called a secure foundation. And this time it says in Luke's words, Lord, Lord, and do not... Uh, sorry, why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not practice what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like, and here we go again, the far-sighted, practical and sensible man building his house, who dug deep. That's the other thing. Are you digging your foundations deep? Because to withstand the weight of this life, And what we need to get through this life and to reach our eternal destination, you're going to have to have a good foundation. And he laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against the house, yet it could not shake it because it had been securely built and founded on the rock. But the one who merely heard and has not practiced what I say is like a foolish man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and it immediately collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. It's the same story, but just through the eyes of somebody else who's writing it. You know, what is wisdom? If we listen to one of the greats, Charles Spurgeon, he says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know, it is, uh, to know is not to be wise. So we can know stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to use it wisely. Many men know a great deal, and all are greater fools for it, he says. There is no fool as so great as a fool, uh, a fool, sorry, as a knowing fool. But to use the knowledge we have is wisdom. Adrian Rogers, who for many years was Mr. Rogers, who had who spoke into the lives of many people on American television, said, wisdom is the ability to be able to see life from God's point of view. And that's why we have the word of God. It's about the practice rather than the philosophy. We need to apply heavenly counsel on our earthly conduct. There's a a word in in Hebrew that is uh, translated as to be wise, and it's shakam. And it is the knowledge to be able to, uh, and the ability to be able to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action. It's a moral skill that requires something of value, and it's not based on theoretical knowledge, but shows proper discernment between right and wrong. And Margaret again mentioned that, didn't she, about the, the tree of good and evil, to know the difference. You know, Webster's Dictionary says it's not just understanding or knowledge 
but it's the capacity to be able to make due use of spiritual wisdom, which is God's wisdom. In other words, you can be as smart as a whip and you can, be, you can have any number of degrees, you can have a whole lot of letters before your name, after your name, wherever they might be, but it's the appropriate application of knowing what Jesus said and following it because he is the way. You know, there's a T-shirt that says something about common sense. It says it's not that common at all. And it's pretty much the same with wisdom. You know, there are a lot of people who would be wise in their own eyes, but not necessarily wise. You know, now I'm going to just quickly have a look at what the King James Dictionary says about foolishness. It says folly or counter-wisdom. And it says it's destructive. There's a worry. It says void of understanding or sound judgment, weak in intellect and applied when applied to general character. Unwise, imprudent, acting without judgment or discretion in particular things. And in Proverbs 1.7, God's word reinforces that. It says fools despise wisdom and instruction. I don't know about you, but none of us like being told, do we? You know, when I was a kid and conversations would be, Elizabeth, we need to talk, I thought, oh, here it comes. But you know what? I have to admit it. She was right, my mum. She was right on many things. Um, foolishness in 2 Timothy 2, again, is mentioned. And the King James Dictionary comes back and it says that it's to be ridiculous or despicable. That's pretty worrying, isn't it? I don't like that one. In scripture, it can mean wicked, sinful, acting without regard to the divine law and glory or to one's eternal happiness. Uh, We look at uh, Galatians 3. When Paul addresses the church in Galatia, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. So where do we build? Where do we build? Do we build on the sand or do we build on the rock? You know, years ago, my husband, uh, he's still a builder, but we used to do uh, pre-purchase home inspections. And I don't know much about building, but I did gain a little bit of knowledge. And we would have a set report according to the Australian standard that you had to operate to. And for insurance purposes, it was wise to stick to the Australian standard. But there would be pages that would be to report about signs that the foundation of the house was not good. And, you know, that would be a big concern if you were buying that house because it didn't matter how good it looked. It could be the most beautiful, the most expensive, the most amazing house in the street. It could have a price tag that, you know, really only the rich and famous could buy. But if the foundations weren't good, it wasn't a good investment. And so I typed up many a report that had some sad news. You know, if the foundation of our life is solid and strong and secure... It's able to support us through not only the trials of this life, but also into the next. It's a solid anchor. And uh, there was, I found a, a little article, if you'll bear with me just a little longer, and it was about a gentleman, a very famous architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. And I learned about him when I was studying art in high school only a few weeks ago. And he was challenged to build what is the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo, one of the most earthquake-prone cities in the world. As uh, Frank Lloyd Wright explored the site, he he discovered that a solid foundation had to be floated on a 60-foot layer of soft mud and and to build underneath the hotel so it could absorb the shock 
of the earthquakes. Well, shortly after the building was completed, it stood through the worst earthquake that they'd had in 52 years when other buildings fell flat. He was wise enough in his natural thinking to know that the site itself could not support this magnificent structure, but he knew it needed a solid foundation. So let's keep moving quickly. Okay. I found something that Rick Warren said, and for those of us who are still fans of the purpose-driven life, you can join me in enjoying this. He says, the foundation of a house tells how big the house can get, how big your life can get in Christ. You cannot put a big house on a small or faulty foundation. It will collapse every time. You know, without a secure foundation, our houses will succumb and they will fall. And we can become very disillusioned as Christians. The prophet Isaiah knew that we were going to need this firm foundation to build on. And in the New Living Translation, in chapter 28, verse 16, he says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Now, to me, that's a stop and listen. If the Sovereign Lord says it, I'm going to listen. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. It goes on to say that justice will be the measuring line, righteousness the plumb line, hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and water will overflow your hiding place. So in other words, without that foundation stone, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. You can run, you can hide, but you're not going to be able to stand it when the storms come. You know, in essence, Jesus is saying, stick with me. Build your life on something secure, a strong foundation. You know, in in Matthew, he, he speaks to us about Christian living. The Beatitudes, he goes on to talk about things like being salt, telling us if we don't taste like salt, if we aren't the salt that we're meant to be, if we're not the light we're meant to be, we're pretty much useless. That's very sobering, isn't it? So we need to remain all those things. Our lives need to be built on a solid foundation and God has provided that secure foundation for his people in his son. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than, than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. A.W. Tozer said, Faith, as Paul saw it, was a living, flaming thing leading to surrender and obedience to the commandments of Christ. And Jesus himself says, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. He, t- he then gives us, of course, the, you know, the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't leave us just to be able to manage this on our own. In John 14, 15 to 17, he goes on in verse 16 and says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, an advocate, intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The truth, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take it to its heart, its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he is the Holy Spirit 
and and remains with you continually and will be in you. You know, James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, he took a while to come around. You know, he was probably grew up with Jesus, the, the brother who always did everything right. Anyone got one of those? I think I'm it. No, no, that's not true. I was the older sister, so I probably um, got tagged that way by my siblings, but it wasn't true. But, you know, he probably grew up, you know, seeing Jesus, this, this kid that could never do anything wrong, this, you know, this amazing man. But, you know, James became not only a disciple of his brother in the end, but he became someone who would lay down his life for exact for the gospel and he says do not merely listen to the words and deceive yourself do what it says anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like in other words it's fleeting you know it that's great thank you but i'm on my way but the man who looks intently in the perfect law, gives freedom and continues to do this and not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in all, sorry, blessed in what he does. John 8.31, again, it's Jesus speaking to us and he was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in me, sorry, in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. I don't know about you, but I want to be that true disciple. You know, we all love the thought. We talk about blessings. We write about it. You know, we, you know I, I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. I, I never end an email or never, you know, uh, write a card or anything. And I always say, you know, blessings. But, you know, what does that mean? To walk in those blessings, we have to actually have another hard word, a tough word, obedience and you know what when you actually decide to be obedient to not only hear what Jesus says but to walk in it to actually surrender to it all those blessings come I think it was last week again in rock reflections in Matthew 6 where it says seek ye first the kingdom of God and then these things will be added to you there'll be different things for different people but the key there is seek ye first the kingdom of God And how do we do that? Through Jesus. Okay. No matter how good your sandcastle looks, if its foundation is not built on the rock, the cornerstone that it's Christ, it will not stand the test of time. Matthew Henry, and I'm going to finish with this if the praise and worship team can come, please. Matthew Henry says this, It is not enough to hear Christ's words and understand them. Hear them and remember them. Hear them and talk of them, repeat them, dispute for them, but we must hear and practice. This do and you shall live. Those who hear and obey are blessed. You know, Billy Graham, I've been, I just finished a book um, that he wrote. It was uh, called Hear My Heart. And it was numerous people writing about what, you know, their association with Billy Graham. And at the end of every service, he said there are two words that we need to always focus on, and they are, will you? Will you give your heart to Christ? And will you surrender in full obedience? Will you become my disciple? Will you be my follower? And with that, I'm going to end.
So today, if you are needing prayer for any reason, if you, uh, like me, have memory lapses and get the date wrong, no, joking, but if you need prayer for any reason, please come, please come. While the praise and worship is uh, just coming together, Um, But if you need prayer, perhaps your walk isn't quite what it is. Perhaps you're using your own wisdom. Perhaps you've been away from the Lord and you want to just come back and just make that recommitment. I don't know, but you do. You and God know your heart. You and God know what your walk is like at the moment. But if you want to dig deeper, if you want to have a strong foundation that can only be found on the rock, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Now is your time to come. And so I'm going to say, will you? Will you? Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today. And we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.